Their job now is to sanctify the social order, to sanctify the world. That's where the power of the laity lies. You can know it all you want, but until you got to pick up that cross that you can't carry, and he picks it up for you and carries you and the cross, then you know. Our nation is too full of those that are crying down. Down with the churches. Down with government. Can you build anything down? You cannot. And let's begin now to use the word up. Up from all of this filth. Up from this violence. Up from this indifference of courts. Up, up, up to God. Be courageous and keep the joy of loving. And welcome to another episode of Cajun Kingdom of Priests. This is Reed. This is Seth. This is Father John Joseph. We got one more. This is Denise. <laughs> <laughs> so we got welcome on Denise. Got a got a little different crew this morning. It's changing it up. Oh yeah, so, yeah. So the the Lacomps are uh, I don't know doing their thing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Know. We'll I don't give all know. their personal details later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about them while they're not here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I I know uh, one of the things that you know, has been going on and we've been talking a lot about it. been a very popular thing lately is the Exodus 90. And I actually personally haven't done it. Although people have told me that I basically have because it's kind of our, our life, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, Exodus life. Yeah. <laughs> 90. CJC 90. Um, but, but, you know, I, I know Seth, you're doing it right now. I'm going through it. Yeah, you're you're in the you're yeah. in the wilderness. I am in the wilderness. <laughs> That's right. Uh, this the is my mid-bone. second time doing it, and I'm having a blast. Oh. being uh, being exiled, exiled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wandering. Yeah, so what you what look like an of, exile, um, man. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, whenever you're doing Exodus ninety, you go through um, the book of Exodus. So what what part of you? What kind of fa- and it and it really it's cool how it kind of lines up with like the phase of your. 90 day experiences like a lot of times it, it really hits home like what you needed to hear from the book of exodus yeah so it doesn't go through directly like word for word like chapter one chapter two anything like that it takes readings but they use those readings to place you in kind of what they think that you're going to be feeling at this point mm-hmm. and so it's like okay week one done well, then you're probably going to be reading about how, okay, they just made it out. You know, they're like at Mount Sinai and they're, they've got the Ten Commandments and all this stuff, these new rules, and they're ready to serve the Lord. But then like the next week, all right, they're already falling back into idolatry, worshiping the golden calf. And so yes. it lines up that way. And I like that a lot. Yeah, which, which works because usually it's like, you know, the third week or the, you know, maybe in two and a half, three weeks is kind of where you start being like, Oh wow! I still have a lot of days left. Yeah, you know, and it starts getting a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, intimidating. Maybe a little bit more tempting to quit, yeah. or a little bit more tempting to to get more lenient. I was, you know, I, w- I was wondering. You may know this as your, you know, with your health background, but isn't it like how many days does it take before you you start a habit? Is that is that like? Yeah, I think it's I think it's thirty. Or, 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 yeah. Um, but some people also say 90. I was, yeah, I read Atomic Habits, um, and I'm pretty sure he he said 30 days. I'm pretty sure Whole30 sticks to 30 days, and, like, some yeah. people will say, like, 90 or 60. Uh, I think um, everybody. <laughs> I think ultimately you need to stick to it for at least a yeah. month. You know? Yeah. You need to stick to it for at least a month to, to for it to become a habit. Well, and that's, that's like, you know, I remember learning this in seminary, and I mean, I mean, Seth, you probably remember this too. But this, as simple as this is, it was fairly mind blowing for me when I first learned it. But you know that virtues are habits, you know that they're good habits, and that that's why they're so like vices are also habits. They're bad habits, which is why they're so hard to break, and and virtues are so hard to build. But and then it talk, we talked about virtues being. Uh, like they're con natural. In other words, they're, they are like a second nature, you know? So it's not, it's not, I don't come out the womb, like, you know, with the virtue of, I don't know, abstinence, you know, although that would be nice. I mean, I I suppose Jesus and our blessed mother did, but we who are full of concupiscence and stuff, we don't. So, 
so we have to form that habit. Then once you have that habit, though, it becomes it just becomes normal. It's like it's second nature. It's like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to do this and not do that. It's just that's what I do, mm-hmm. you know. So it's a it's a great program. You know, Exodus ninety is a great program for for just forming those good habits. You know. Yeah, and it, so for those of you who don't know, it was originally created by some seminarians in Mount Saint Mary's Seminary in Maryland. Uh, I think part of the reason was for the young men to quit pornography, which is obviously, you know, hugely prevalent in today's mm-hmm. culture. And a lot of these practices that go through that all the rules of Exodus 90 um, don't necessarily like directly attack that issue. But I think by those simple denials of self, then it totally just uh, it'll help you get out of that vice. For right. Sure. So I. I like to, if I could read some of the rules, um, it goes, okay, you got to take cold showers, short cold showers, practice regular intense exercise, get a full night's sleep. You got to abstain from alcohol, desserts, sweets, eating between meals, soda or sweet drinks. You got to abstain from television, movies uh, or sports, from video games, from non-essential material purchases. Only listen to music that lifts the soul to God. That's a big one for a lot of people because there's no, they always want to know where's the line. Wait, can I listen to this? Can I listen to that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can tell you. Just ask me. Yeah. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> only use the computer for work or school or essential tasks. Only use mobile devices for essential tasks. And take Wednesdays and Fridays as days of fasting. So that's abstaining from meat and eating uh, one full meal and two smaller meals. Yeah, that's right. pretty much and CJC. You, and you decide kind of <laughs> like the the specifics as a group. You kind of make you decisions as a group it. to kind of figure out, you know, yeah, like the... The little things about music, like how strict are you going to be yeah. about music, you know. And, yeah. and that's what's really important about it, too. Is, is that, Usher lift his soul to God? <laughs> <laughs> well, really, the big one he is... He ushers me to God. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like a church usher. I think the one everyone asked about is is Kanye's album, Jesus is King. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Is, okay, you know, is it, is it the style? I mean, the message is great. Yeah. But, but it's, it's it's Kanye. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I had a I had a playlist that I uh, creatively labeled God, and I uh, and was and I had where is the playlist God? Or... <laughs> and uh, I had a play. Uh, one of the songs was where is the love? Yeah, uh, is it Black Eyed Peas? Yeah. Sure. And then and then uh, Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. And, and I had like <laughs> the reason by Hoob Stink. You know, like I had <laughs> I had like a couple songs in there that were really bordering the line, but uh, but I you know tried to use them as like prayerful songs as much as I could. And <laughs> but that's what I think great. is so important, like deciding okay, what are you going to do as a group? Because those are the three main tenets of Exodus ninety is prayer, asceticism, and fraternity. It's yeah. coming together as brothers and doing this because. If you do this by yourself, you're not going to make it. I'm well, just telling you right now. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I've I've always been a huge advocate for. So I've like I said, I've never done Exodus ninety specifically, but I do kind of like. I mean, pretty much everything you said was is in the rule of CJC. But um, the like with uh, I've just noticed, especially in directing people like who struggle with vices of impurity or something like that. The fraternity aspect of it is so essential. But it's also it's also the um the 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 like what you were saying about the branch or just basically like if you chastity is like a branch of virtue. Uh, it, and it's a branch off of temperance. So if you if you heal temperance, then chastity will also heal. You know, it's uh, so like usually, you know, Sins of lust often are just so associated with overconsumption of alcohol, gluttony. I mean, even St. Thomas Aquinas talked about like, you know, nocturnal things like bad, you know, like dreams and stuff like that being a result of eating too much. So like a lot of times those, you know, like it's so interconnected and it, it really does. Now, I mean, it's not magic. It's work. You know, it, it certainly is work to grow, to 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 cultivate a virtue, you know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think it's really, uh, it's a really great program. I've seen a lot of guys really benefit from it. And, and, and like you said, it, the, the fraternity aspect, because our culture is so dissociated right now and it's gotten even more so because of COVID. So we don't just interact with each other in the same way. We don't suffer together. We're so isolated, you know, and then like, 
everything we do is just virtual, you know, all the ways we communicate. So it's just so good to see like, oh no, like we can have real fraternity that's Mm -hmm. formed with, with uh, doing, you know, these sacrifices together. Well, it also made me think of how like each of the things that you do in Exodus 90, I mean, me being a girl, I don't do that, but it targets like all your other vices as well, like laziness or, you know, all those things filling in the void of time or food. I mean, I know a lot of people can deal with like gluttony or, you know, maybe not necessarily eating too much, but maybe eating too little. And so maybe fasting for you might be the opposite. And so learning how to change that and fit it to where, you know, make you grow. Well, no, it's true. I mean, like just, I mean, for for the sake of clarification, guys rarely struggle with eating too little, um, but girls do. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it's a big difference, you know, and and sometimes it's a huge sacrifice for a girl to eat more, you know, sometimes it's not, but sometimes it really, really is. I'm not saying that, you know, guys don't struggle with, you know, wanting to like maybe eat certain things or, you know, and it can become an over preoccupation. But I mean, you're bringing up a good point. I mean, I'm curious, like, so like, even though, like, I know there's a Fiat 90 and, but it's just, it's very different. And I don't know how much, how different is it in terms of, have you done it or? No, I've never done Fiat 90. No, but I mean, I've done other things that like own personal things that I guess I've written for myself, like, oh, I'm going to do this or not do this, but I never like followed it. You did Whole30, didn't you? I did do Whole30. That was, that was something, but for sure. I mean, it's 30 days. So you, you know, do that to build the habits. I mean, I don't know if I built the habit on (laughs) eating healthier or cleaner, but. um, So what's Whole30? I don't know what that is. Whole30 is basically eating whole foods for 30 days. So all you can, whole foods, you know, people are like, oh yeah, you just buy from the grocery store, whole foods. But like, no, it's eating (laughs) things that are all natural. So you can't um, eat anything that's processed. So like no Um, Pop-Tarts. No Pop-Tarts. No, sadly. (laughs) My dad would struggle. (laughs) (laughs) You can't have like carbs. You can't have dairy. um, Obviously no sweets. Um, So literally you can eat fruits, vegetables, and protein. Mm. And um, you can eat a few nuts. Um, can't have peanuts, though, because those are technically legumes. So that was hard for me. So what is a legume and not a whole food? No, apparently not. I don't know. I don't <laughs> so know. who decides this? <laughs> <laughs> you can't have beans, which I'm like, what? You can't. But um, no, it was it was definitely a challenge. And we did do that in a group. Um, my sister and a few friends, we did it together. So we were like text every day pictures of our food that we ate and you know, it's like not only do you diet and not eat some of the foods, but you also have to eat more because these foods, as healthy as they are for you, don't necessarily fill you up Yeah. for, you know, a long period of time, especially because you don't have those like big carbs yeah. to fill you up. I like carbs. So that was, that was definitely, <laughs> I know, same. That was like definitely <laughs> so hard. I would see it, see people eating it. And I'm like, oh gosh. It's like a big old bowl of pasta or something. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, but, um, Getting hungry right now. I know. <laughs> But um, that was definitely a challenge for sure. Um, we went on a retreat during this, and you know how retreat food can be. So oh, can, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think mm. Seth even came while we were Nature's suffering, all over the eating place. apples and almond butter. We were like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. <laughs> Seeing everybody eat these bread rolls and pasta and spaghetti and all this. For, uh, but oh, it definitely did um, bring us together for sure. Um and help us just like realize, okay, you know, we're dying to ourselves or whatever. But um, yeah, it was it was definitely a challenge. So, what would you say though, like as as a girl, like doing? So, I mean, obviously, that's that's kind of a more of a diet. I mean, there's less of a spiritual. It doesn't sound like that. Sounds like more of like a more of a diet health exercise doing thing. together. Mm-hmm. But what would you say, like so, like uh, I was saying that you know we were talking about this in terms of guys, like. It, the fraternity aspect is really big, but also it's this it's this penitential. And I, like Seth, you were just talking about how like you were saying before how like one of the guys is like it's like okay like isn't like uh, you know fasting not good for your body? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somebody somebody asked in the group, which you know fair question for somebody who's never fasted before. <laughs> um, you know, guys have this idea that. All the time, you know, you have to be like as fit as possible, which is great. Like, yes, be a strong man. Absolutely. But 
the thing is, you have to fast in order to enter into that the weakness of Christ. You know, oh yeah. When he, I mean, he fasted in the desert for forty days for a reason. He didn't just he didn't just do that because it was just oh yeah I'm going to challenge myself. No. Yeah. No, no, and that's I mean, and well, and it's it's indicating what real strength is. I mean, strength is a much is much deeper than you know you know uh, muscles and those kinds of things i mean i mean i, I remember i would give i'd give a a picture to to some kids that i taught and i'd show them like you know basically kind of what the world would say so you know i had this i had this like silhouette of a guy who was um who was doing squats and i mean clearly like there was a lot of weight <laughs> that he was he was he was squatting and then i said is this strength and they were like yeah and then and then I showed the next picture, and it was Christ being mocked and him just taking it. I said, is this strength? You know, And it, it's just showing a much deeper sense of strength mm-hmm. that we have to cultivate you know, a, a sort of discipline that's deeper than just, than just like, oh, yeah, I can put more weight on this, which is a discipline. It does, and that's what St. Paul says. He says like, it takes discipline to do these kinds of things, and it's, it's not a bad thing. But for what? A crown that fades, that's what saint paul says yeah you know whereas a crown that's everlasting like that's what we're doing this the the other kind of discipline for and that's why fasting is so important yeah totally and i mean fasting also like fasting is healthy and uh yeah (laughs) it's like you know physically healthy and uh but i think one of the things that's very necessary when going through Lent or Exodus 90 or Fiat 90 is having, um, putting forth the effort of thinking about what do you want to get out of this and having the right intentions. Yeah. Because ultimately the whole point of it is to have a positive effect on your spiritual life for the long run. It's to continue on these habits which a lot of people, you know, a lot of people like don't like Exodus 90 be- or Orphea 90 because it feels scrupulous. And then the second it's done, it seems like people just kind of go all out, all out, you know, and kind of oh, yeah. go back to their, <laughs> go back to their normal thing. And I've seen it, you know, I've done Exodus 90 and, and I've seen guys, you know, just completely go back to their old ways as if like Exodus 90 did nothing for them. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's necessary to be going through Exodus 90, thinking about the long run mm-hmm. about, you know, to what extent do I want all of these disciplines to be a part of my daily life? Yeah. Like, do I, you know, how do I want to practice these things? Do I, you know, want to use this as an opportunity to build habits so that I eat better later on? Do I want to use this as an opportunity to develop an exercise routine? Do I want to use this as an opportunity to um, pray more frequently and for longer periods of time? Overcome vices. Do, do a rosary every day, you know, yeah. like... Um, I, it needs to be, there needs to be specific intentions behind Exodus 90 or else, um, I think a lot of it can, you know, maybe still be like a good thing, but like in vain, I think, you know, like it, it can be, um, maybe just something that's like a, a, a good challenge to take on. And I mean, I've heard that every culture for the most part has a point specifically for guys who have to. Um, almost take a step into manhood. Like yeah, the, like there's a, a there's an event or a ceremony of some sort that you know the guy is introduced into. Manhood. Yeah, like a rite of passage. A rite yeah. of passage, exactly. And um, and I felt Exodus ninety was that for me. You yeah. know, and I felt like it was a you know sacrificing all these things and you know learning how to learning how to sacrifice for the community because I. Fortunately, I was listening to the right information while I was doing Exodus 90. Yeah. So I was very much so mm-hmm. looking into the future. And I think part of it was just like providential that it was just, you know, the right books that yeah. I that I got my hands on at that time. Because um, I did hop into Exodus 90 with the intention of just like, yeah, let's go hard, you know? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't wait, you know? I'm going to um, be the best. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, really I'm going to be the best Exodus 90. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really glad you brought up the idea of... Uh, yeah, guys who can get like super scrupulous in it because I think there are two extremes that you can go to. Um, you know, I, I was in a group a few years ago that we had great fraternity and we would meet every week, but no one was 
actually you doing it. It's okay, bro. Yeah, yeah. Well, because like, uh, you know, people just they would make it, we would just make excuses for ourselves and just you know. Like, I didn't either. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, if nobody's gonna there to be your anchor to hold you accountable, like, right? It, the fraternity almost doesn't matter. Like, yeah, absolutely have the fraternity, yeah, but exactly. you gotta actually go through the program. Yeah, exactly. And then the other extreme that I see is yeah, guys who will enter into this with the correct attitude and say, okay, I'm going to go through this very disciplined and, you know, not cheat at, at any point ever. And so, okay, I'm always going to keep my, my cold shower at like this temperature and, uh, you know, just can't, can't have any leeway any, uh, anywhere. But then they just become isolated yep. and they just feel like maybe this is too hard for me. And, and they just give up at that point. And they point. become a penance for everybody else. Right. You know, because it's like, because, yeah, typically, you know, people who get that, you know, uh, into that, you know, just so specific about it, they usually end up just being very. Mm-hmm. Uh, or guys who will add on other things plus yeah, the rules that are already set. Yeah, and that's just like the guy who's like, just because you go up and wait, like he goes up and wait, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's just like. It's like, okay, now you're just kind of well, showing Well, because, I mean, and I'll say, I mean, I was that guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. But first time I ever did XS90, I was like, like, yes, this is going to be awesome. I'm totally strong enough to do this. And then, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to sleep on the floor, and then I'm going to do all these other things. And it was just terrible for me. And yeah. so I ended up going to the other extreme. Yeah. And just saying, and letting it all go. Right. It was too much. And so I just had to, I, I, stopped, I quit altogether. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, you know, one of the things in Exodus 90 is journey partners. Mm. Um, so you're within, you're always within a group, but there's specifically someone who you're supposed to check in with every day. Or I think, I think that's how we did it. We tried to like send yeah. each other a text every day, you mm-hmm. know, send a, send a thumbs up or send a thumbs down if you're not having a good day. Oh wait, they even, I think on the Exodus 90 app, they have colors and oh, you yeah. can put, you can say, I'm on a green day. Everything's going well. I'm on a yellow day. It's like kind of in the middle and then i'm on a red day like i'm struggling right now i failed and i'm feeling shameful whatever and so journey partners can Mm -hmm. constantly check we only did that once you know one year we were really good about checking in on that the next year we something that we do is uh there's a we have a group chat and so anytime someone completes a task like taking a cold shower working out uh reading their exodus passage they'll just send it in the group me and just say like you know this completed and then whoever likes the message we know okay they did it as well so you oh, see cool. so you see the whole group's accountability too not just your anchor yeah that's uh, that's really important and i think a lot of these things can be applied to you know everyone's lenten experience in general you know we're not necessarily just saying, you know, go do Exodus 90, go do Fiat 90. If you feel called to this through the, ever, the through the episode, then yeah, absolutely. But I think that Exodus 90 is laid out really well. And it's a good thing to consider, you know, some of these things for your Lenten experience. I think it's a good idea to, to be in a group for yeah. a good Lenten experience. I think it's also a good idea to, like, take Lent very seriously. Yeah. And, you know do stuff that's really sacrificing maybe outside of the box like get an idea from somewhere else don't just you know give up something that you know you thought of last year or something i mean i think exodus 90 did that for me it it gave me i would have never decided to fast from food that was not i wasn't you know willing to do it it wasn't a part of my culture growing up um uh, everybody always thought fasting was unhealthy or, mm-hmm. you know. Well, especially Cajun culture. Yeah. You know, totally. I mean, what do you see? Fridays during Lent, crawfish boil time. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So Exodus 90 with the legitimate fasting, you know, it, it helped me see the value of it. And I, I saw my growth as a person uh, distancing myself from food, getting to the point where, you know, I wasn't relying on getting so full that I can't move. I wasn't relying on, you know, food to comfort me whenever I was having an irritated day, right. you know, I was able to distance myself from food. Um, and so I think overall, there's just a lot that can be taken from Exodus 90 to apply to your own Lenten program. Right. With a group of people is, is huge. Having asceticisms is huge. And what's prayer. there? And then having like specific prayer goals is huge. And another thing I was going to say is, is, you know, if, if Exodus 90 one of the things that's good about it is it gives you sort of like a a little permission to fail and not not necessarily 
uh, obviously it's not it's not no it's like get get back up and keep going but that cushion to fail is an important aspect of that because because really penance is something that's supposed to help you grow in humility so if it's just me like getting reps you know and like me just slugging it out and it's like okay well then this is just me patting myself on the back and so that's why i think it's so important for for in the lenten experience to do something that's challenging enough to where you may fail at fail at it but not uh the failure is not so discouraging that you just like feel like you gotta quit Mm -hmm. But but uh, and and you know I know a lot of people might might wonder well what does this have to do with the sort of privacy or secrecy that fasting entails well it's not so much the secrecy uh, or the the failures that um, the failures are not going to be secrets and so that's why it's helpful for growing in humility yeah and uh, that's it for our first segment we're gonna take a little break and then come back Sounds talk about good. more all right. All right, welcome back to Cajun Kingdom of Priests, and we are here with uh, our guests, who are also always here, but they're in the background. <laughs> we, we got Denise uh, Seymour, who's my little cousin, She's my shy little cousin, ten, uh, ten years younger than me, and then we got Seth Ransonette, and we're, we're just talking about um, Exodus 90, we're talking about Lent, talking about all this good stuff that we're, we're you know... All these good topics that we're we've all experienced over and over again, um, and I, I was just I just thought it would be helpful just to talk about actually the book of Exodus and what are some real big themes. So, I mean, when you read especially the Torah, when you're reading the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible, you know, you read Genesis, and Genesis it's got there's. It seems like okay. There's kind of a hodgepodge of stories, but at the same time, there's a, there's some clear themes. I mean, Genesis has a lot to do with family, has a lot to do with siblings, has a lot to do with the origins of, of people and the, this kind of primordial stories. I was actually talking with a professor of mine, and he was saying like how like the story of Eve, like when she she says I've got a man, and she's talking about Cain. It's really because it's like showing like her surprise. At the fact that she a man just came out of her, like she doesn't say like I have a boy, you know, because she's like, what the heck, this little man just came out of me, you know, because <laughs> it's the first time that ever happened in human history. She's like, what the Adam, come see, come see, you know, this man just came out of me. So, but it that that this these are the themes of Genesis. But then you transition from Genesis into Exodus, and there's continuity because the story begins like, oh, the Hebrew people were growing. There's a Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph, and Joseph was the one in charge. You know, they're in Egypt for that reason and all that kind of stuff. But so there's a continuity, but it's a very different theme. It's thematically different, and it has much more to do with the people that's forming than this family. You know, we're not. There's, there's familial elements, but it's not family-oriented in the same way that Genesis is dealing with brothers and, and all these dynamics and there's, you know, there's this kind of like these wives and the polygamy and all this kind of stuff. But in Exodus, the theme is, is sort of like this government, this oppressive government that's inflicting slavery upon the people. And the people are, are laboring under this slavery and then they want to be freed from the slavery and then their freedom from the slavery is actually them going into the desert which is just kind of, there's almost an irony there it's like and in fact what's what's like a theme word is eved eved um in in the scriptures which is like serve or to work or to labor or avodah which is the the work or service and so it says, like, I will not, you do not have to serve Pharaoh. Like, God's like, you're not going to serve Pharaoh. You're not going to be uh, under his 
slavery or under his service. But you are going to tell him, let my people go so that they can worship me, so that they can serve me in the wilderness. So anyway, what I'm saying is, is that actually going into the wilderness is, is sort of like a different kind of slavery. It's actually, you know, it's like, wait, you were just freed from slavery, but you're actually going into slavery. And I feel like that that's like a good, that's, I mean, it's kind of a good uh, image for Lent. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, wait, I'm trying to be freed from sinfulness or like those kinds of things. But like now I've got all these rules. Mm-hmm. And that's that's basically the gist of the book of Exodus. It's like, and we were talking about Exodus 90, you know, it's a very similar thing. So I think that that's a... Um, that's one, and but the whole purpose, and we were talking about the purpose of Exodus ninety, you know, or or just Lent in general. It's not so that you can just go, you know, buck wild and and just like eat everything in sight come Easter, but it's very clear, and it, and because we always think about the the wilderness being ushering us into the promised land, you know, but really the scriptures say. Let my people go so that they can serve me mm-hmm. and worship me. So really, Lent is a very sacred time of worshiping God. And so Exodus 90, Lent, all these sacrifices, it really is just us worshiping him. Yeah, because what is slavery? I mean, slavery is anything that controls you, right? Or anything that yeah. you allow to guide your life. I think what St. Paul says, like, be slaves to Christ, Christ Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, I mean, it's it's not slavery intrinsically is not, you know, we have this idea of, like, you know, American slavery. It's all, every slavery is just bad outright. But, no, yeah, anything that controls you is slavery. And what I think is particularly interesting about when the people are in the wilderness is they groan and they complain and they wish they were back in Egypt in right. that old slavery. And so they, it's like, you know, if I could relate this to Exodus 90, you know, you know the reason why you enter into Exodus 90 is because you have maybe like a vice you're trying to conquer or you want to be stronger or like increase in your prayer life. But then you get into the program and you realize, wait, this is actually hard. I- I'm missing my old life. I'm missing the life that I was the flesh living. pots. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think... Um, that working on self-control is completely necessary for sainthood. Yeah. And Lent is such a perfect experience for improving your discipline, your self-control, your self-awareness. In order to have self-control, I feel like you have to have self-awareness as well. Yeah. I think just like, you know, doing something like Exodus 90, doing something that's like pretty intense, um, it's sacrificial, like it's it's really sacrificial. I think this all leads to you growing um, and to being more control of your actions. So if your goal is to not sin for the rest of your life, but you don't have very good control of your actions, then you know there's a good chance you're going to end up sinning again. But I think if if we practice this uh, self control, this temperance. Uh, we, you know, we, and we have the goal of not sinning again. We have a much higher chance of being able to do it, mm-hmm. you know? And of course, and of course, like, uh, I think one of the, you know, the most impactful thing about Exodus 90 is a holy hour every day. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. I mean, that, that was, that was a game changer for me, you know, mm-hmm. setting up a prayer life where I was like, you know, in a chapel for an hour every day. That was, you know, so many so far away from what i was doing mm-hmm. you know i was i was you know mass and then maybe like you know praying in my room every day but like yeah being in a chapel for an hour every day was a, was huge well it shows that the point and that's that's something that can't be lost whether it be just your lenten practices or a specific program like exodus 90 what can't be lost is the relationship because it's all meant to be ordered and that's what i was saying why do the people let my people go, Pharaoh, so that they can worship me, so that we can form a covenant, so that God and and the people can form a relationship, an unbreakable relationship, bound that's that you know yes, there's there's laws, there's and it's just like a I mean it's just like a marriage or something like that you know you enter into a marriage, well like 
we got we got to have certain things we agree on. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't go do this. I can't go do this. We both need to be doing this. You know, all these kinds of things. And that's kind of what's happening between God and the people. And that's what happens to us during Lent mm-hmm. is that we're forming, we're deepening a relationship. If we lose that element, and there's, the fraternity is a very important, but even the fraternity has to be oriented towards him, towards God. And if you lose that relationship with him, then you lost the whole point of it. And you yeah. lose the soul of why you're doing this. And as soon as you lose the soul of it, it becomes lifeless. Mm-hmm. And it actually becomes, you know. And I think when people, when people do something like Exodus 90, the, they realize, okay, the purpose is worship. Well, if they're not totally focused on worshiping God, wait, what have I been worshiping? Yeah. All of these old things that, you know, controlled my life in ways that I might not even have realized. Right. And so I like what you said, Reed, about the, yeah, doing the holy hour. I agree that totally, like, holy hour is the most important aspect of something like this, especially because silence is so uncomfortable. That's why I think, you know, one of the one of the aspects we were talking about before the break was, okay, only listening to music that lifts the soul to God. Okay, you know, people can debate on what that means, but really, okay, to start, don't just limit whatever songs you have on your Spotify to stuff that it just isn't explicit. How about just start with silence first? Yeah. Because especially like in the holy hour, silence is very uncomfortable for especially like in modern day when we're constantly stimulated all the time. And so to be in that, in that silence is like being in the wilderness for them. Mm-hmm. It's that, it's that uncomfortability to be able to worship. Yeah. And just like, you know, being in the wilderness, there were days that it seemed like the Israelites were, you know, they were grateful about. And of course, like this is a much longer period of time, like in reality, you know, than. um, what we read in Exodus, you know, it's almost like we, we might be reading like, you know, jumping from one month to another month, you know, the Israelites were really joyful and they were, you know, ready to praise God. And then they go to a time period where they're in desolation and they're struggling. And you go through this whole journey, like with your holy hours, like there's some times where you really just don't want to, you know, do the silence. And it would be much better to just like, it would be much more enjoyable to just like get back on social media or, you know, distract yourself or something. But, um, but that's the journey of Exodus, you know, of like going through these constant waves of consolation and desolation and, and, you know, staying faithful throughout, you know, and the, like, I don't know personally any guys who haven't, who's gone through Exodus 90 and haven't failed at some point. Usually, you know, somebody, you know, gives in to having a drink at a, at, you know, at a party or, you know, gives in to eating a sweet or snacking or, um, Maybe they didn't fast all the way or, you know, whatever. So, I mean, there's there's these constant, you know, these first two weeks are awesome. They're, you know, everybody's on fire, everybody's doing it. And then, you know, you start getting people who are struggling. Some people might get frustrated because other people are struggling. Some people might be scrupulous and that's starting to wear off on them. And they're starting to, you know, start no one to cave more. It's just such a journey, yeah. You know, and, and I think reflecting on the book of Exodus is such an integral part well, of and- learning it yeah and you know you can learn from the israelites and their mistakes and if you look at it it's like what was their biggest sin you know what i mean what would y'all say i mean obviously there was idolatry Mm -hmm. which was a major thing but what was like really what like was really the most obnoxious and just nauseating thing to god i think it was the groaning wasn't it yeah it was the complaining yeah you know It, it it was just like he was just like these ungrateful, you know, like they don't, you know, like do they not get it, you know? And and it's, and it's not, it's because everything that God is doing for them is sheer gift, and so the fact that everything that He does for them they complain about, it becomes so. He's just like, like it's really hard to do nice things for you, you know what I'm saying? Because every time I do it, I I, I get I get this complaining back in return. And I actually wanted to talk about that because we were talking about, you know, uh, with Denise and like just how women are very obvious. And we know that women are very different. You know, the the other half of humanity uh, is represented on this side of the table here. But um, but like the, one of the things about uh, femininity is that, you know, women just tend to suffer more naturally. But I think also it just shows the importance women are more inclined to complain mm-hmm. because of that. 
men, we have to kind of inflict suffering upon us, you know, to, to actually suffer more, you know, we have to, and that's part of like, like you were saying, the rite of passage, sort of masculinity. But like, uh, I was just curious what you, because, because yeah. like, I mean, it's not going to tend, women are not going to tend to do nearly as much in terms of penance right? or expected yeah. to do as much. I definitely think that complaining is a, a big temptation um, going through sufferings. Um, and I was thinking about that because, uh, like, you know, someone could do, I guess, Exodus 90 or some sort of fast or something and do it perfect, like perfectly, but complain the entire time. Yeah, right. And so then all that suffering and everything was for nothing. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you're not having this penitential attitude or, you know, whatever. So you see it as like, oh, my gosh, why am I doing this? Whatever. And it's going to waste. Yeah. Um, and I definitely think that that's something that as women we should – be more conscious of, of like, you know, cramps. It's a real thing that every month, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So like going through all those, um, pains and, or just like not even physical pains, but just like maybe just sadness, you know, emotions fluctuating like crazy. Um, and like taking these, you know, small sacrifices that seem, you know, natural and it's not like we can control them or we can, you know, whatever. And like taking that and say, you know what, I'm going to take this suffering and I'm going to, you know, offer it up for souls in purgatory or offer it up for my future children or whatever it is. Um, and, like, being more conscious of it and being aware and, like, naming that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, oh, my gosh, I'm, like, hurting so bad, you know, whatever. But it's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to offer this up for my sister who's straight away from the church or, yeah. you know, whatever. Lucy. Um, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but, yeah, it's really important to just um, – you know, name it, name the sufferings. And then, and not necessarily, you know, you don't need to tell everybody like, yeah, I'm suffering, but you know, I'm suffering for right so-and-so or I'm, you know, I'm doing mm-hmm. this for so-and-so. And then you're just like yeah. the Pharisees. Correct. Like then you're just, you know, being yeah, in with everybody else. It's, it's hard being Christian. <laughs> it reminds me of G.K. Chesterton said, he said, he said, the Christian life has uh, not been tried and uh, left wanting. He said, it's been, it, it's uh it hasn't been tried or no it, what did he say is it hasn't been tried and left wanting it's been found difficult and left untried you know mm-hmm. because it because it really is a challenge but i think you said that like and i i know you know this was something that you know one of the blessings of having two little sisters i remember abby when she was like little young um she was she she told me like i mean she was just kind of like going through you know ushering into womanhood or whatever and uh she told me she's like yeah the other day i just started crying in my room still don't know why (laughs) she's like it's a real thing like really is she's like i don't know why i was crying and i just remember being like but crying (laughs) yeah yeah. and i just remember like when she told me that i was just like what you know like that's so weird yeah yeah and and then but it really helped me to understand Mm -hmm. and that's a big uh, one of the reasons why women complain is because they want men to understand like that we're going through things going through some stuff Mm -hmm. right physically Mm -hmm. and and emotionally and all these kinds of things that it's like it's not easy to just be a woman you know and and Mm -hmm. i think sometimes we as men it, it is harder for us to see that um but it it what I mean, I can't say I can't tell you when you see a woman going through suffering well, and 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 there's some kind of realization of that in a man. Man, it's very inspiring because mm-hmm. then you're like, wow, uh, I, you know, uh, I I I mean, I can particularly. I mean, I hate to single her out, but I'm gonna do it anyway. But uh, Sister Marie Therese, one time I remember, she had, she had, she she had she suffers with migraines, and one time she she had. She had puked and she went, she puked, she came back and she acted like nothing was going on. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I mean, it was heroic, you know, Mm -hmm. but you know, it was just like that, but I've seen that, you know, I've also seen the other side of it too, you know, where it's, where it's hard and it's challenging and there's a complaining and, you know, but we're all guilty of that to some degree, you Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And, and I think I've, but I can say that how, how uh, much it challenges men to step up to the plate. And it's also important. I mean, I'm, telling myself this too but like thinking of suffering as a gift because you know we are built in penitential you know humans like we have these penances built into us as humans that we don't wish for or inflict on ourselves but like this is god's way of showing us like 
we can be better people without even doing anything, just being aware of these sufferings, being aware of these pains that we have to go through daily, and then connecting it with the sacrifice of Christ, you know, like offering it Mm -hmm. generously. And just taking it, like suffering in silence. Yeah. That's That's a very strange idea for a lot of people. You know, I... I remember there was one time I was like at a retreat and I was like serving some food and uh, it was like some steam was coming up from one of the one of the pots and it was like just like really like burning my hand while I was serving the food and uh, the girl next to me said it's like what like that doesn't hurt you it's like I mean yeah it does like I, I wouldn't I was just trying not to complain so yeah. it's it's very difficult I mean maybe you could speak to this like where's the difference between you know asking for help or just taking it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think so. Like, there is a there is a certain sense. I mean, it's not that we're just we're just supposed to always hide the sufferings. I mean, there is some degree of that, but um, there's you know there's sort of these. I mean, I think the most important aspect is that we see the purpose of it as connecting it with Christ's sufferings, and how he did that silently. And, and joyfully to a certain, you know, like we see the joy of knowing he was suffering for a good purpose. That's that's a fulfilled suffering. You know, I mean, if it's just like, you know, I'm kind of trying to prove something to myself or to others. Well, you see, the meaning is corrupted, you know. And so so we can, I could do it in silence, but I'm really just feeding my ego. Mm-hmm. That's That could be there too, you know, and, I, uh, you know, I'm guilty of that as well. So like. I think it's to, but like, you know, Mother Teresa, I remember there was a couple, uh, like she was talking to a couple and she said, remember to smile at each other as a couple. And uh, the husband said, Mother, no offense, but you're not married. You don't realize how hard that is, you know? And she said, oh, yes, I am married to a very demanding husband. <laughs> and he's very hard to smile at sometimes, you know? And and I think, you know, that that, you know, smiling... You know, in the midst, uh, I, I mean, like like I said, I mean, it's not that suffering is meant to be invisible. And in fact, that was the glory of Jesus when his suffering was made apparent and manifest um, that we saw how well and how beautifully he suffered. And he invited us into that, that transformed us, you know, mm-hmm. but it's just to say that we don't go around parading it. Yeah. You know. And I can't imagine um, the suffering, like, not only of Christ, but I'm sure, like, of Mary. Speaking of women's yeah. suffering, like, Mary looking up at her son, like, being tortured and, and on the cross, you know, like, yeah. sword piercing her heart. Yeah. Yeah, and and the silent, invisible nature of it and just, like, the intensity of it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and like you were saying, Father John Joseph, I think um, the intention is everything, like when it comes to humility, which, you know, I think as Christians, we are called to have this like state of humility at all times. And during suffering is where, you know, that gets challenged because you have this desire to complain or for someone to realize what you're going through. And I think the intention is everything because I think it is necessary to reach out, have an accountability partner when you're suffering or having a spouse or someone who a best friend who you need to reach out to when you're suffering because we need to stay holy and our friends, our our community is going to keep us holy and we need to be able to reach out and have that vulnerability. But I think if you have the intention of reaching out to get the, to get some attention, you know, then like that's not, you're not, you know, doing it in a humble manner. You're doing it uh, for attention. But I think it's totally necessary to have to bring up, your suffering to other people if necessary. It, it's encouraged by Exodus 90 to not really like tell everyone like they tell you, like especially on like fasting days, like try to, you know, you know, look clean and like don't complain about right. it and stuff. And that was a really big lesson for me. But there was also opportunities where I saw, uh, you know, I was hanging out with somebody and we started talking about life and I started talking about Exodus 90 and I could tell it sparked something in them, like a desire to do something like that. Like they had, like they've been craving this, um, this type of, this formality, this type of uh, program that would, that's intense, that's challenging, that's, you know, going to make them suffer, but in a way that's, that's growing them. Mm-hmm. That's not detrimental. It's a, it's a yeah. good type of suffering. And, 
And I think, you know, it, it's like that for all suffering. It's, you know, it's necessary to talk about it in certain situations and, and it doesn't come from a lack of humility. It, it comes from, uh, you know, genuine desire for that person to, to grow from. Well, it, 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 it's who, who you're telling is, is a big uh, part of that. You know, like, why am I telling this person? Who am I telling? You know, what, what good is it accomplishing? So it's like one thing if it's like, look, you know, like if it's a couple, okay, uh, mom's, you know, mom's getting up middle of the night, dad's sleeping or whatever, let's say, uh, for the baby. You know, she should because she's just going to end up getting aggravated if she doesn't say, hey, look, uh, like, can you, you know, this is really hard on me, like physically and stuff like that. Okay, you know, that's just, we're, we're a team, we're working together. Like, this is a good thing. You know, she shouldn't stuff that because then she's going to end up getting very aggravated with him one day. You know, and it's not helpful. But then there's another thing where she's just like going to work and or, or something like that. She's just talking to somebody and she's just like, ah, my husband never gets up or whatever. Okay, well, now you just went into complaining. You know what I'm saying? And so it's a totally different realm and it's a totally different intention well it's like what are you hoping to accomplish from telling this person are you hoping that you know you're seeking prayers because i mean this is a serious suffering that you're going through and you need somebody to be there with you or are you just telling them because you want to get some pity from them exactly like oh yeah i'm really going through it's like yeah that really stinks like right whatever it's like what are you trying to accomplish yeah exactly and even when you do oftentimes the other person just they don't even acknowledge what you just said they just say like oh yeah i went through something like that myself that was way worse <laughs> yeah right yeah right exactly yeah it just becomes like this like yeah a little competition we call that an alpha battle yeah yeah, yeah. and so well, i think this ending you know as we conclude lent one of the things that we usher into is into the mystery of christ and how these sufferings are actually united with him and his sufferings and that's what makes lent and all of our sufferings significant Honey, love.